Anytime now. <laughs> I, look, I'm giving it a silence so that when I go to do the audio adjustments, I have mm-hmm. that silence. Okay. You know, because you people don't ever shut up. What? In the episode. And That's your job not to shut up. And there's no space for me to get a, a sound profile. So... If that's all right with you, I was going to leave a silence there. Yeah, we'll have some silence. Okay. <laughs> Wait, this is the same guy that's going to say to me on, on Monday or Tuesday, man, what's wrong with the audio on that podcast? <laughs> four dudes love Linux. One who can use i3, the rest who struggle. Uh, two can Wait, use what? i3. Yeah, what? What are you, what are you saying? <laughs> what? Two that can use I3, two that can't. Yeah, so you, that's okay. Two that choose not to. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a part of it. Exactly, Minton. Zeb. Tell him. We have transcended I3. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> can I use yeah, that, they went, they went to X-Monad. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Ridiculous. <laughs> Still on uh, phase two. Um. Yeah, I'm on phase. No, I'm actually on phase one. I still have neon LTS installed. <laughs> it just works. It does. <laughs> it just works for now. All right, so let's do a quick sound test. Make sure everything's good. The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. That's ridiculous. It does not. This is an example of speaks. It's it the mumble man over the dog. It would eat the dog. No, we didn't mumble this week though. It was mumble man. Imagine the poor people in their cars. Oh my god! <laughs> Why is this funny? <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? <clears throat> Can we do this? Yeah, let's do it. Do. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 58. I'm Rocco. And I'm Ryan. I'm Zeb. And I'm Michael. And this is Destination Linux. So That was a different intro. That was a different intro, dude. Well... There's a big, huge reason why we're doing a different intro this week, and you fired me. Ryan's going to be no longer with it. No, <laughs> dude, come on. So for a long time, we've been playing around with uh, having more people on the show, and first we wanted to get me and Ryan's groove down yep. and get it all sound so that it was right. And I don't, still don't think we got there. But anyway, um, as close as we'll ever get. It's as it's, it's good as it's going to ever get. All right. And we decided to talk to a couple people and look for people to come on the show with us. And what do you know? Uh, everybody knows PZ, producer Zeb. He has been our producer for a while now and been doing a bang up job, although we pay him ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. So, I mean, well, you get what you pay for. You pay that much money, you get producer Zeb. That's it. <laughs> so it was a no-brainer to have Zeb come on. He has a great take on things. Uh, it's a different angle than what you know myself or Ryan would have. So yep. it was a no-brainer to have him on. And then there's another guy, Ryan. 
Well, this one we found on the side of the street, and he said he would work for free if you'd <laughs> beat him once in a while. And we're like, well, based on what we're paying PZ, we're going to just have to go with the free option. <laughs> or an awesome option that people absolutely love, let's be honest. They absolutely yeah. love his insight. He has incredible technical knowledge uh, to bring to the show. Uh, so, Michael... Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's, uh, that last week was a really fun episode. So I'm glad to be back for sure. And to be joining the team is, is really exciting. So thanks for having me. So from this point on, you're going to have four hosts on Destination Linux, which I'm really excited about because it, it opens up the conversation to new levels. It's not just two people having a conversation. You get all kinds of different angles from it. So I think it's going to be great. Going to love it. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right, Ryan, what have you been doing this week, man? What do you, what would you guess I would be doing this week if you were to take a gander? Well, it's either one of two things. Uh-huh. Playing a terrible game or <laughs> or distro hopping. <laughs> well, I distro hopped multiple times. I I went to uh that gnome situation that we had last week. What you did you say you were on gnome? I, I was uh, based on an issue I was having, and and, and you oh, loved it. Yeah, it was amazing. So then I decided I was going to go to KDE, KDE Neon, and uh, try that out. And I and I like KDE. All the things I've said about KDE still hold true. It's fantastic. It's futuristic. It's it's everything I love. Except I just had too many little bugs and things that bugged me. Did you file them? Yeah. Right after I downloaded the next ISO, which I know people are going to absolutely love, uh, Mint. So I went to Mint, and here's the reason why. Uh, Eric, Eric Dubois has an amazing uh, series of videos on Arch Merge for i3, and he's really one of the ones I credit with getting me into i3 without his pre-configurations. I'd have never stuck with it. And he also does some pre-configurations out there on Git for Mint. So I thought, well, let me go check those out. So I downloaded Mint, went to i3 in Mint, put it on the beast, and I've been very, very impressed with the stability overall and, of course, being an i3. Um, now, some of the Git files out there, in case anybody's wanting to follow this, are a little outdated for Mint, meaning if you're coming from Arch Merge, the commands and keys are not the same you would expect in Arch Merge for i3. Uh, so I had to do a lot of configuration there, but Mint itself has been absolutely solid. I've been gaming in it, been editing in it. It's been going really good. So that's pretty much what I've been up to. Let's find out what Zeb's been up to this week. Well, after last week's disaster of anarchy trashing my EFI partition, things just went from worse to worse to worse to about midweek. <laughs> I had no system to operate at all. So I was on a Windows laptop, for goodness sake. So oh, I've my gosh. Talk about desperation. Isn't it? So I've gone back to basics. I've trashed everything. I've got one distro on my main machine, and I'm now going to do any testing and hopping in um, VirtualBox. I couldn't even think of the name of it then. I don't use it that much. But I'm going to, I'm going to try and do it in VirtualBox because I can't keep having to reset my machine every time a distro mucks it up. So... I'm back on one distro with lots of SSDs. So, so what is the one distro? Like we have to distro. ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 the Peppermint 8 Remi- oh, Remix. No, Remix. 
Oh, right, respin. Okay. Respin, yeah, respin. <laughs> we're not going. <laughs> we're not going to mention remixes. <laughs> the remix. Not unless I can have Donna Summer in the background. Michael, what have you been up to? Are you still distro hopping? Um, technically, but not really. <laughs> he just keeps pulling them up, going is, crap. Is crap, that a crap. definite maybe? Uh, it is a possibility that I've been hopping around with the same stuff I've already been hopping with. I haven't switched to other ones. Uh, well, that's not true. I changed Magia to OpenSUSE, and uh, that's that's uh, that's pretty much it. But uh, I started doing uh, some a lot more testing and stuff for the different distros. But to this week, I've been doing like a lot of bug reports. Hint, Ryan. Oh, and, no. uh, <laughs> at least somebody's submitting them. <laughs> Well, it's more of like um, I, I I've been doing bug reports, but also like ideas sent, uh, sending just like improvements for various distros that see if they'll consider them. A few have, so that's that's cool. But um, mostly it's just like the usual uh, reading tons of technical stuff and then like uh, trying to make it uh, consumable. So like this, like every day I spend some time on my like tracking like different news stories and stuff. And, uh, you know, after about the 500th time, you know, kind of blurs into one. Right. So why would you need to submit a bug report, Michael? Well, I mean, it's, everything runs perfectly. Well, I mean, that's, uh, mostly true. Um, <laughs> so, just, just little things like, you know, little things that just slightly bother me. They're not technically bugs, but they could right. be better. God, you, you mean like my icon that's artifact here? Yeah, that, that, yeah. Okay. Just, so, Rocco, Rock, what have you been doing, doing, man? Because this is, this leads perfectly into your week, I think. Well, here's, here, this is a perfect example. I have my menu icon completely mm-hmm. uh, just a square artifact because I came out of suspend and I am currently doing, I did told you guys I did doing that test where I'm, I put KD Neon on my, uh, backup big drive and that's what I've been using. I've been using KDE Neon all week and I, so many things I love about it. Little things here and there like this uh <laughs> suspend issue. Every time I come out of suspend, any desktop icons, any icons anywhere are all a complete artifact mess. And hmm. if you hover over some of them like on Latte Doc, if you hover over the icons, they'll come back, but the menu doesn't seem to want to come back for some reason. Uh-oh. How were you getting it back? Were you having to log out and log back in again? Yeah. Yep. So kind you, of defeats the suspend options. Yeah. Did you submit a bug report, Rocco? Hold on. Let me th- No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I've had this issue with KDE for the longest time. Yeah. And it's just something that, I mean, it, I, it, I knew it was It doesn't there. happen in Ryzen, by the way, like uh, AMD GPUs, by the way. It's a completely non-existent issue. It seems to be an NVIDIA-only problem. Yeah. So, so I don't have that problem. I don't, I don't know if it's them. like a certain driver, certain hardware. <laughs> Michael, Michael's like, there's no bugs in there. You're wrong. All of you are wrong. Well, I'm, I gave a, I gave a qualifier. I don't have that problem ever. I have Nvidia. I don't suspend though, so I'm not. I don't have that problem ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, not on my machine. Okay, so <laughs> speaking of Michael, there's a listener question for for Michael. How did he know you were going to be on the show again? It's, I don't know. That's kind of creepy. Michael's been announcing it everywhere. <laughs> Someone. Okay, so from TJ Wolf, who is a fellow YouTuber, 
Uh, he says, I have a question about Meltdown from Michael. Is this soft software issue or is it a hardware issue or both? And if so, because I just bought an i7-8700K, 8th generation CPU, do nice I process. Yeah, it is. Do I need to send it back and wait for wait or will it be fine? I'm just wondering for the Intel's already out when people buy them. Thank you guys. So, there you go. Well, the uh, the the answer is uh, unfortunate. The answer is hardware and uh it's not fixed. It doesn't matter. Like if you wait, it's going to wait like minimum like a year or two before there's even hardware that's fixed. Maybe even longer than that because they have to go through the whole supply chain replacement. Because it's it's not a hardware bug in the sense of like the hardware itself. It's a design architecture of the hardware. So all of them have the problem, and they will continue to have the problem. Even like the one that just came out, the this the current generation that just was released is going to be affected. And the next one after that will probably be affected as well. Maybe the one after that will be okay. Michael, so, that's not good news. That is not good news now. But do you send this back, this beautiful i7-8700K? No. I would Play not. With it and enjoy no. it. There's no reason to send it back because it's like if you wait a year, it's still going to be a problem. So you might as well just enjoy what you can, what you can right now. Right. Uh, but the, there is, it is technically solved in software through the kernel in some cases. Like there's still a lot of work being put into it to fix it. Uh, and there's a little bit of like some new updates on like finding some more effectors, but overall they're, they're solving it and it's going to be improved, but currently it's a software solution to fix a hardware architecture problem. And, right. uh, that's, that's unfortunate, but you know, that's it. So it's a band aid on a, yeah, it's, it's Ooh, a, gosh. it's a band aid that has some duct tape on it. <laughs> well, thank you TJ for the email. Uh, and yeah. I'm hope we hope we answered your question. I definitely wouldn't send it back. I would enjoy yeah, no. it. Yeah, that's that's a processor you enjoy for sure. All right, Rocco. So Endless OS was released. I know that you don't like to distro hop anymore. You're staying on Solus for the entire year. Uh, right. Was your commit. Right. Right. But in case you ever get the itch again, mm-hmm. in case you ever get Talk the itch, me. Endless OS, OS is out there. So if you uh, want to try something different, then this is a Debian-based custom fork of GNOME 3. I like GNOME. But, yeah, you like GNOME. We know you like GNOME, GNOME, but you probably won't be using this distro particularly. It, it is more, and even when you go to their website, geared towards individuals who are not particularly tech savvy. So, for instance, kids, grandparents, your parents, who, who may not be tech savvy if they're not, this would be a great way to get them into Linux because it's kind of locked down. Your root system's read-only. It's got all the apps pre-installed. You can't do much damage, but you still get all of the reliability and joy of Linux out there. What do you think? So I've always heard about Endless OS, never tried it. Uh, I did download it. It's 14 gigabytes, at least the full version is. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not play around with it or install it, so I can't give you my personal opinion on it. Maybe someday I'll make a video on it. <laughs> but Well, I guess it makes sense it's 14 gigs because it comes with 100 apps, right? It comes yeah. with all the apps. There. Yeah, but wasn't this also the one that was meant to be used where you don't have access to the Internet all the time? Yeah. And so you it's can also download the, ones, uh, the whole like, thing, and then if you want to install apps – You've got them there in the background. Right. Yeah. That's why I understood Endless OS was to be. I hadn't realized that it was then locked down even further so that once your stuff was installed for you, you then couldn't mess around with it. So 
That sounds quite good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, um, like their first, when they first announced it, they were talking about focusing for a developing nations type of thing. So mm-hmm. it's like bringing computing to people who don't have access to a, a platform that's, you know, easily installed. And like the, the, because of the most, most distros these days are require internet access to download and install things. So like they were just kind of like put everything in one package and just use that one. So like, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good idea. I haven't, I haven't personally tried it either, so I should probably make a video as well. And I think Rocco will, will, will team it up and we'll just release it on the same day. How about that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Look for it in 2020. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it looks absolutely, it'll be, a, it'll be an endless wait. <laughs> it looks absolutely beautiful. It, it reminds when you first look at the intro screen, you could see immediately how somebody coming from Windows 10 or another environment would instantly feel at home. Or even a kid who hasn't played with any other operating system environment would be instantly familiar with it if they've played with phones or tablets or that type of thing. Just really big icons, really, you know, clean interface. I really like it. It's It's for children. I know. Not just children. <laughs> certainly not for i3. But it would be a great use case for Yeah, children. it's certainly not for an i3 user, Ryan. Well, of course not. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me, let me say, let me see if this, this row will be for an i3 user. Could you handle it? Okay. 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 Linux Lite 3.8 has been released. So this is based on XFCE. And it was in beta for a while. I actually downloaded the beta and tested it out. And I have Linux Lite 3.8 installed on my laptop right now. And it's been working great. I've used Linux Lite. Uh, My son's computer has Linux Lite on it. Uh, He's only five. He can get around and navigate through it. He likes Linux Lite. So, of course, I haven't let him touch Windows, so he'll never know the other world. Uh, (laughs) But... uh, he absolutely uh, can navigate in it, get his Minecraft going. I can't remember what the free version is on Linux. Is it MindTest or something along those? Yeah, lines? MindTest is the engine um, alternative. Yeah, it's not technically a game, but it's like it can be. So, I mean, I, Linux Lite's very stable. It runs on some older laptops that I received and converted into Linux, and it it's just everything is very easy to tweak, install, update. The XFC implementation is fantastic. It's it's very well done. What do you think, Zeb? Um, I've used it on a number of occasions, but it's never lasted a long time because it just doesn't seem to have that zing. Right, um, that plasma that, zing, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, not that plasma zing. Um, it works. It works well. It's probably one of the you know, top six distros that I would say to a new user, hey, try this, because there's no point in giving them one. There's no point in saying, hey, use Linux Mint, it works. Give them half a dozen to have a look at and a play at, and then they can realize the beauty of Linux. You can pick what you really like. Now, yes, it's a good distro. I just don't like it. It just hasn't (laughs) got that something for me. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. Preferences are, you know, everybody's got them. Mm-hmm. So the 3.8 comes with uh, TLP power management implementation. Mm-hmm. It comes with a new font viewer, regional support for DVDs. And it also includes, like you said, Zeb, for new users, you have Linux tweaks, you have the welcome, you have the manual. Um, you have all kinds of different little programs, almost like a MX type situation right. for, for the newer user. 
Not quite on the MX level, but yeah, it's got a lot of those type implementations. So Linux Lite 4.0 will be available for testing in the spring if you want to test it out. Um, final release will be expected June 1st for 4.0, and that will be based on the LTS 1804. But until then, 3.8 is out. Go check it out. So Rocco, guess who wants to be your Valentine? Uh, Valentine's Day is over, dude. No, but they still, they sent you a card. They really want you, they want to get to know you better. Um, who? It wasn't Michael. Or was it? Or was it? Or, or was it? <laughs> Ubuntu. Man, Ubuntu wants to be your Valentine, or at least they want to get to know you better and how you use your system. So they want to be Google. <laughs> Not quite. Okay, all right. So Ubuntu is uh, has announced that they are looking to add in some hardware data collection options in the installation ISO of 18.04. So the controversy if there is any i haven't really seen a ton of fallout honestly most of the comments i've seen have have kind of supported this and you'll you'll see why when you hear some more about it is they during the install there's going to be an opt-out only so you'll have to uncheck the box otherwise basically it will be selected for you to let ubuntu know the type of hardware capture some basic data on your system, such as the version you're installing, do you have network connectivity, the type of computer you have, and all of this. So this sounds a little bit, just because we've been, we've basically become paranoid, a lot of us, based on all of these companies going after data, I think some people have some fears over the idea of Ubuntu doing this. But again, you just check a box as long as they're not hiding it somewhere secret and you're out. And to collect some more data to get to know you better, to be your Valentine. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Michael, well, I'd be interested to know what you think about this because this is sort of like what Firefox did. Mm, it's it's better than what Firefox does. Uh, I, I oh, actually think, I didn't expect that. Is that an yeah. admission that Firefox was wrong? <laughs> what, and some of the stuff they did, yeah. It's, yeah. It's okay, good. all right. So yeah. talk to me. So in Firefox, when you install it, it has it has a little thing at the very bottom that says "Choose what to share," and that doesn't really explain what's going on. Whereas this is just it's a checkbox that says "This is what's going to happen, and here's what's being sent." Would you like to u- continue doing this, or would you like to turn it off? That's a perfectly reasonable thing for me, for in my opinion, because it's just like it's just a checkbox, and you just uncheck it, and then and you continue with your because there and there's other parts of the installer. That you, you're, you're choosing these, this solution, this, this, uh, whether to do it or not during the install. So it's not like after you've already got it, now you have to deal with more stuff. Like that's a reasonable, uh, expectation, I think. Um, but I also think that it's because I, I'm, a, I'm for them doing this because there's this data that they're trying to collect is data that would be useful 15 years ago. So I, I've been trying to get them to do it for get every distro to collect something for years. And you know, there are distros that do it and then people and a lot of people don't even know it. But like in most cases, I think that they should do it because there's like being able to know what device uh, hardware that they use, like whether it's Dell or Novo, so they can tell like which which com- companies making that hardware is good because they can know how many people are using particular hardware. So they need to, optimize for those companies and that hardware. That's a really good thing. And, uh, I hope, um, I've seen some negative response to it, but it was expected responses because like 
you know, on blog posts, there's always someone who's going to say like, Oh, I hate this because you know, sure. don't track me because you're so you're evil corporation or something. Well, anytime you hear the word tracking or collecting data, you, you're, you're going to have that reaction. I mean, people have yeah. been trained to kind of be leery of that. Yep. There's even like some blogs that are saying something like they're trying to track your data, even your location, it's like <laughs> your country. Not your location, <laughs> your country. So it's it is a location. It's just not narrowed. Yeah, down. yeah. it's not pinpointed. Yeah, yeah. One of three hundred, like uh, three hundred par- parts of the of the world, with anywhere between you know a, f- a couple, uh, a, I mean a couple hundred miles or a couple thousand miles or another you know kilometers if you like that. <laughs> All right, so I do have a question for you guys about it, but Zeb, what do you think? Well, my only dislike of it is the same reason why I dislike the um, Firefox version is if you don't look at it and you don't read the question, you are opted in whether you wanted to be or not. So my first question would be, okay, I've installed it. I didn't spot it. I've got it running. I've read about it. Can I now turn it off after the fact? Yes. Yes. You can. Yes. Fine. Yes. Then that's Then that's okay. Um, well, it's not okay because I would prefer it was an opt-in, not an opt-out. But I understand all the reasons why they want to go for opt-in because 95% of the people won't bother reading it and they'll just go next, 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 next. So oh, I think it's actually the opposite. There's a, there's a lot of people who are looking at this being like, oh, people are not going to read it. I think that's not true. I think the most pe- the people who are coming to Linux for the very first time are very careful and very specific to read whether whatever they're installing and they're even Googling or asking people. Like what is what do these things mean before they do it? Are you because saying uh, Linux users are smarter than Windows users? That's a fact. I'm not making any kind of specific statement. Yes, but um, <laughs> yes. Like, uh, I'm, I'm just saying it, that, they, that Microsoft and they now want to make sure that what they're putting on is better yeah. than Microsoft. They're they're just they, they don't want to you know do anything wrong because it's the first time they're ever trying it. And I think the people who are just trying Linux for the first time are definitely going to be more attentive than people expect. Give them credit for. Mm-hmm. That's what I did wrong when I installed Linux for the first time. <laughs> okay, so I get the reasons why they need this data. I understand that it's not a it's not a big deal the way they're doing it. But my question is, does this open it up to future add-ons later? to what they're collecting to everybody. So they start collecting a little bit of data that really is insequential and nobody's going to really care. But does that then open the door so that they can e- more easily collect more data that maybe you would later. that you would start to care about? Well, I mean, don't I wasn't around when this happened, but as I understand it, when I first came into Linux, a lot of people were like, oh, don't go to Ubuntu, don't go to Ubuntu, they spy on you, they're just like Windows 10. And it was all, as I did some research, was based on something with regard that was exaggerated ridiculously regard with regards Amazon. to Amazon. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think there is some fear there uh, that has been exaggerated from something Ubuntu has done previously. And again, as everything I read, it didn't look like there was a lot of legitimacy to the fears there. But to your point, Rocco, they are, they also mentioned in the article Ubuntu PopCon and Apport as to additional things that they want to add into the systems, which allow them to track popularity of apps and to send anonymous crash reports. Again, 
all of this, when you look at it from a technical perspective, this is information you kind of need to really be able to improve your architecture of your system. Uh, and I feel like if this was an opt-in only option, I would click it every time because, of course, I want to help them. Right. And anyway, I want to help open source any way I can. And I feel like more people would be like that. So I think what rubs people the wrong way is the fact you have to opt out. But ultimately, personally, I can't get upset about it because I know if I saw it there, I would opt in anyways because it's just, yeah, sure, have my hardware information. I don't care. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's also people who, who don't who don't, don't care anyway. Like the, the idea of the opt out is being like being a, a – a deal breaker for people, I think, is it kind of it, it's excessive because it's you're there are people who are not going to pay attention, but also there are going to be people who have the system installed for them by someone else who might make them do it anyway. So they wouldn't even get the choice, regardless. If they work at a company, they wouldn't even get the choice. Mm-hmm. So like, there's there's many factors that it's not that big of a deal that it's it's opt as opt out instead of opt in. But I do agree that the opt in for me is I'm I'm in the same boat as Ryan where it would feel better if it was an opt-in rather than an opt-out. I get why they're doing an opt-in, but I think just as we talked a couple minutes ago where Linux users do read more, I think they're jumping the gun or maybe uh, assuming that people won't opt-in. But I think as Linux users, most Linux users would opt-in because they do read that stuff. Yeah, okay, but my opinion is if you're going to collect some information – and you're going to do an opt in. That means by default, you're not getting this information. So you, you know, you could say, I know how many, like they might even know if you opt out and start as part of percentage wise. Right. Well, so I get that it. Would be, that would be useful to know how many people opt out and how many people don't. But like if you do opt in and, and or you say you start off opt, opt, opt in, then they're going to have it where you, um, might have people who would never click it. And because they didn't make an action, you don't actually see if they have a preference on it or not. So you you have data that's just thrown away that as far as Linux goes, we need information about how many people use Linux because for mm. years everybody was well, like, you well, you got DistroWatch. Of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but there's been years people were like, you know, how many people use Linux? We have no idea. That's the only yeah. response we could give. And it's like, th- this is much better, especially because it's the bigger, the biggest distro period and all of the flavors are going to be connected to it. That's great too. Here's my problem where it will become a problem. If at any point they start, oh, we're going to sign up with this company who we're going to sell ads or data or any information that they start utilizing, you know, we're giving your information to Amazon because they're our partners. If any of that stuff starts happening, that's where it will start to me to feel creepy. Does it say how long they will keep the data? Um, They don't say, but it's also public data. So they don't care. Yeah, and also at the moment, this is only speculation that they want to introduce it. I don't. I think it's like they're coming out to the community to say, "Well, what do you think? Are you going to get the see what the reaction is going to be?" Yeah. Has yeah. anybody actually seen the background EULA? If it's going to be a you know a EULA, what what is it you're signing up to? Because with Rocco's fears, if you're just signing up to a blanket, yes, help yourself. Today it's what type of keyboard and what type of processor you got. Tomorrow it's what type of things are you clicking on. Yes, mm-hmm. I think. Very I think careful what the document says when it comes out. I agree. I think Ubuntu is more. I think people give Ubuntu a hard time because it's 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 cool to do to be against canonical mm. or something. Yeah, 
and it's 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 there's it's not deserved and they've been doing free software open source software they've been open and transparent for years and mm-hmm. even things that they were they were creating that people were like well this is not open source it's because it's not done they're developing it in 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 public but they don't want to just give you the code of how it works when they're not even finished with making it how it works and then you go and say oh this is so broken or like well it's it's not done right. so like then, then as soon as they go well it's done now it's open source. This like, is the other awesome. reason I, I love what they're doing, though, is you mentioned, Michael, they're making it public. So that means yeah. not only does Ubuntu get to benefit from this, Everyone. everybody gets to benefit. So now yeah. the guy creating the distro over here and the guy creating over the distro here knows what kind of hardware people who are using Linux are primarily using. So yeah. everybody gets to benefit from Google. <laughs> Google could just tell them they don't even have to do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we have everything. Yeah. yeah, we know exactly the number. <laughs> and it's no more than what you give Steam today. So Steam collects system profile information. I mean, nobody should be really up in arms about this. I just say, and and I love the way Ubuntu handled it by putting it out there and open. It wasn't all of a sudden there and hidden in the terms and conditions. They're kind of out there. So I, I'm, yeah. fine with it. I'm 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 definitely excited for like to see what happens at least. Uh, but uh, uh, next up in the show is uh, this week we got some updates from Discover. They have the, the this week in Discover released some information about. Well, look, I'd be fair in this show. There's a little bit of criticism for Discover. Maybe uh, I'm, not I'm, this show. I'm I'm, I'm only partially involved in that, just a little bit. <laughs> but so th- those those days uh, may be coming to an end because there's a lot of updates coming from the Discover team. And uh, I just, since uh, Ryan is uh, such a fan of Discover, I'd like to know what your opinion of this update is. I'll tell you, frankly, they've done an amazing job at Discover. Uh, honest, honestly, I, I mean it. I think it's so it's amazing to see the difference of when I started with KDE. What was it a month ago when we had them on? Rocco was about a month now, mm-hmm. and and was playing with Discover, and now it's a completely different beast. Like you can use Discover, whereas before it was almost, frankly, laughable. But now it's not anymore. It's very, it's a very cool tool. I mean, there's still some issues, but they're minor, minor things. Well, I've been using it more and more. Now, in this update, there's quite a few fixes. Some of them are. I have already 5.12.1. Some of them were for 5.13, which I don't have yet, uh, which I probably won't get for the LTS. Um, yeah, you'll have hopped by then. <laughs> you'll go to phase two. Yeah, phase two, exactly. <laughs> but since I've been using it, you're, you're right, Ryan. There was some issues with Discover, and mm-hmm. it was they ain't all fixed, but it's getting much better. And I've used it for the last couple days, and it has not crashed once. Uh, you remember how we would start typing and then you would stop and then it would just You'd have to type and really spin. slow, yeah, really slow, <laughs> but you don't have to do that no more. Like there's no. been a lot of good fixes to it. I still think one of the main fixes should have been the app sorting, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's not there yet, but we'll see. Yeah. App yeah. sorting and also like removal of apps that don't really need to be there as in like they're deprecated or something. There's that's sometimes shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like that's not, you know, the, the, all the things that really bothered me as far as like the you know the experience, like the UX stuff, um, seems to be fixed so far. Like the the fact that my the most annoying thing to me was when I wanted to update and the update button would just move away when I was looking at what packages were installed. 
that was so weird. But now, now I can actually click the button anytime, and that's 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 much much improved. So thank yes. you for that. And I click yeah. the update button quite a few times since uh, these updates, and not once has it crashed, unlike before. Yeah, yeah, yeah before it was a little awkward sometimes. <laughs> but I mean, going back to your question about getting the sorting right leads us on to the sort of like the next article about the app popularity. Um, I haven't used Discover enough to know what type of sorting you've got, but in all software centers, you can sort it by popularity. Doesn't that normally end up with just the fanboys of that app reporting it and sort of like giving it a thumbs up? How many you real... just get all your friends to go in there and write a review? Yeah. Like... yeah. How many, how many normal average day to day software users? Go in there and go, yeah, that was a great app. Let me go back into that software center, find it again, and give it a tick. Well, Zed, so, let me ask your answer your first question. What kind of sorting does it have? None. Zero. <laughs> so the Next Discover question. Store, minute, it says here, the Bring Discover up. Store sorts apps by a number of ratings. So is that not sort of sorting? That's why, that's why the tweak tool for GNOME is like on the top when you open applications. I mean, it's a dangerous thing to have in, in some ways to have your sorting based on reviews because obviously people can, you know, it, and I think in ultimately it's what this article is talking about. People are really inherently, myself included, although I've tried to fix this bad at leaving reviews for apps. We go in, we install them, mm-hmm. we use them. Mm-hmm. We don't even think about going back and adding a review. I, 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 I absolutely I, love KDE Connect. I've never reviewed it on any of these stores. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, and, and the problem is, so, you know, you could have three, you literally could have an app and, and in some of the screenshots in the article, one of the top apps arc only has four reviews. So you could, you could be sorted towards the top with very, I could have four friends write a review. If I had four friends, I got one. I could have Rocco write a review and, uh, I'm the early friend, oh, dude. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying you could get people to write a very minimal amount of reviews and then you would be at the top. So it's kind of a, eh, I'm not sure that's the best way for sorting, but really the point of the article isn't that it's that we should all be going in there and at least as part of our idea of contributing back, leaving reviews because these people work really hard on this. And I see some really popular applications with zero reviews. And I'm like, mm. that's no good. Even if it's just going back in and saying, thank you. I really enjoy yes. using this. Yeah. yeah. That would be helpful. I mean, I've, I've, there's, the problem is, is that these, all of these software centers and uh, well, where are the ratings being stored? Are they, are, are they on the Ubuntu repos? Are they in, are they, do they share the rating and discover with like the Ubuntu software? Like mm-hmm. how, where is it actually at? And typically what happens, is, you know, the experience I have as making software for Linux repositories is that when someone makes a bug report or makes a comment or rates something in one of the software centers or whatever, I don't see it. I, it's, it's almost impossible to find it because you don't, you can't be notified. There's no like sign up for like, Oh, when someone makes a rating here, you'll be notified. You can respond. Like none of that happens on the developer side. So like, even if you do get a rating, I, I might not even say it anyway. Right. Well, what the whole article is about, Ryan was right, is to encourage people to write the reviews, to go back in and, you know, help them out by writing reviews. But he lists a couple unhelpful reviews in here, Ryan. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever, uh, 
did any of this type of review? I've probably written some stupid reviews. I'll be honest. <laughs> okay, so here's a example of an unhelpful review. So it's you give it one star and you say it crashes on launch on Debian three. That is an unhelpful review because all developer needs to know it crashes. <laughs> 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 It's unhelpful and also an ancient situation. So, like, that review was made years ago. (laughs) Another, Michael, have you made this one? Uh, A one star doesn't have this one specific specific feature that I want. (laughs) No, I've not done that. (laughs) I would imagine Michael has more of the opposite issue of he keeps running out of characters. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. It's like, yeah, 5,000 characters. I need seven. Well, maybe Zeb, Zeb, you have made a review that says something like one star electron apps are the worst. Rewrite it in cute. <laughs> you noobs. <laughs> you noobs. That was that a real one. Well, it, it certainly wouldn't be asking me to rewrite them in cute. That's, that's definitely not. Well, so it, no, it says cute GTK, but I added yeah. it. Because cute's better. Michael's on. right. You can go back in. You can give them feedback. You can give them four stars and say it would get five if you did this. Michael's just admitted he's never going to see that. So what's the point? Yeah, it's unfortunate. But I, there's been multiple times where I've gone like a year that I go back in one of the the software centers and look at it and go, oh, someone commented about a year and a half ago. Okay, cool. So what you're saying is you could see it. If you went to that specific app page, but you wouldn't. Yeah, if be I go notified. to my own page in a software center and I I install a distro that has that software center, go to that software center, look at my own application in the software center, then I'll see a review. So how do we fix that? What would they? What should they do to fix that? Have I mean, it centralized or what? Well, I mean, a centralized thing would be great, and it'd be it'd, it'd make all the people who hate various distros really annoyed, and that wouldn't work probably, but. Um, the best thing would do is just to like set up for every, every software center, uh, no matter what platform it is. If you have a notification to the developer, yeah, just let, allow the developer to be notified when anytime a rating was made, uh, a review was made or just a regular comment to another review or if someone like even like upvotes, this is helpful, like something like that. Just anything that we can be notified would be great. But as, as far as I'm aware, there's not any notification system built into any of them. And could, but that could that be an automated script that they write into it? Yeah, they could. Just I mean, you, you have to create, the developers would have to have accounts. You know, mm-hmm. you have to build a platform to allow developers to have an account to be associated to a particular application. But in theory, technically, yeah, they could just inform. You know, just there, set up a script. Is there some? Is there an account type out there that they could use that's already built? Like, could they use a GitHub type thing, or I mean, could they? They could, that? but there's uh, the whole proprietary aspect of GitHub is kind of like, I mean, GitLab maybe. But the main thing is that they'd have to have a system that integrates the account with the review system, and also a, a database of like which developers, which app, and then have a notification system through that. So it it would be complicated, and they would probably have to build their own. But it's possible that Launchpad could do it through the account system they have. If they could create one, then we could troll Michael. That would be amazing. Perfect. That would be amazing. And he would get I'm, notified every time I trolled him. We'll have like 50 comments on his app of... I'll just create uh, a filter. It's like, okay, Ryan says something. No. Rewrite in QT, noob. <laughs> uh, well, my app is in GTK, so as a QT, QT fan. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> But um, so speaking of sorting and not showing certain things, uh-huh. 
the uh, Kitty E team decided to hide the Neon LTS edition from. What are they hiding? They're hiding something. <laughs> They're hiding the download. Oh my gosh. But it's, it's, uh, it's, they're not getting rid of it. They're just not displaying it more, uh, publicly on the download page anymore. But Was this why? really that confusing? This is not confusing. Well, I mean, there's confusing aspects to it. There's a lot of people who don't even know the difference between the user versus the user LTS, things like that. I thought Linux, I thought Linux users were smarter than Windows users. Come on. Yeah. They read. <laughs> we just covered that. Well, there's also, there's a ton of noise on the internet if you haven't noticed. So maybe right. they're just. Okay. So you had the user edition. You had the user LTS. You had the dev edition and the dev. What is it? The unstable? It's the dev stable and dev unstable. Yeah. Okay. So now you only have the last three. You don't have the LTS. Yeah. Um, to be honest, they should just have like a section where it says, um, just most people are going to use the regular user anyway. They should just say the download should just be for that. And if you're a developer, there should be like a section at the bottom that says here, click to go to the developer section. And yeah, then that's harder done. for those developers. Yeah, of course, naturally. Yeah. But just, it ends the confusion. Hey, who, who wrote this episode, Rocco? Michael. Because it's KDE all over the place. <laughs> Did Michael I, write this whole episode? I, I would ne- I would never do yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael, yeah. I installed the LTS just this past week. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it's hidden. perfect. It was beautiful. You're the timing, only one really. with it. it this but happened to me with time. Unity. I downloaded <laughs> Unity to do a video on it, and then the very next day they announced they're done with it. Think about this. You've kind of got like what a collector's it? item. <laughs> I was thinking about. I was actually thinking about uh, burning it to a CD and uh-huh. sell them on eBay. This genius <laughs> dude. I might. Nobody else can find it. I right. still well, have to be, it. To be fair, they're not getting rid of the LTS version. They're just not making it super obvious to get it. Okay. So what happens to a person like me who's running you, the LTS? What happens to me to now? Use it. You will continue to use it just fine. Yeah. You won't have as much updates like because that's why you pick an LTS anyway. But they'll still be doing like application updates and stuff. Honestly, I don't know in the sense of like, because the next LTS is probably 5.16. And by that time, Neon will not, no longer be based on Xenial. So it's possible that the LTS will eventually be removed. But everybody's going to update regardless to the new version of, of Neon when it, when it was based on a uh, Bionic, right? So like it'll probably be discontinued at some point based on the, the this action, but I don't think it's that a big good, of a deal. Good pick, Rocco. As soon as you pick it, it gets discontinued. I can oh, pick it. technically it. right now, but <laughs> yeah. I think the ne- uh, in my opinion, <laughs> the entire purpose to use Neon is the user regular user like what what's the point of having an LTS on an LTS when you could just use Kubuntu which is an LTS on an LTS Okay this is the reason why I picked the LTS I have used the user edition in the past and mm-hmm. with KDE with their steady updates you get all of the new updates and they're sometimes not ready to come out they have bugs they crash and you'll go a point where you'll go a couple weeks and it'll be great and then you'll go and it's usually when it's the point one and point two releases come out. Those are pretty, had, those are pretty rough. Go ahead, Zeb. Yeah. I was going to say, but what is being updated? Cause my understanding of the LTS edition is it's just plasma that's LTS. Right. Everything else is getting updated. Right. So can it, can it be a long term support, um, distro if everything in there except one application is getting well, the um, user LTS is, is 
Ubuntu LTS is not being updated uh, unless it's like maintenance and stuff and Plasma doesn't get updated. So the only really the only difference between the user LTS, the only, the only thing you can get updates on the user LTS is like applications themselves from the KDE team, but that's only the KDE stack applications. Right. Well, not. that's exactly why I picked it was because I wouldn't get the latest Plasma updates that have a lot of issues when they're at the point one and point two releases, but I could run the latest say Caden live. So you're happy for those sort of updates to happen in the background, just as long as it's not Plasma that much about. Right. Like I I'm on five twelve. I'm not having many issues. So if it stayed this way for a couple months, whatever, and I could still run the latest Caden live, that would be great. That would be perfect. That's exactly why I picked the LTS. So Rocco, now our I- only option at this point is to delete your entire hard drive <laughs> and get the user edition. You are done. That's the reason why I picked the LTS. Before you do that, could you do us a favor and download Robo Linux? Prepare to do a review. Zeb. It's so discontinued. Zeb, I will do that if you send me one of those hard drives you're not using. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're a one-man distro guy now. <laughs> I'm a one-man distro guy now, yeah. Well, you'll be glad to know, Rocco, that, that KDE Plasma is no longer vulnerable to USB attacks. So now I can't steal all your information. So before, <laughs> Ryan could put a USB into uh-huh. my computer and hack yeah. me. But I can, this is how you can tell I did not write this. I wouldn't put this in here. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been the question fixed. is. Would you let Ryan in your front door to put a USB in your drive? Yeah, would you, Rocco? That's a good question. Um, that's why they make security cameras, Zeb. <laughs> <laughs> you can pretend not to be in when you go. You got it. I can came all the way there to visit you, and you won't let me in. I don't care how far you come, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> so this vulnerability would allow you to basically do an exploit that was based on the notifier functionality within uh, KDE plasma and based on a certain naming sequence you could do with the drive I think it was it would basically execute some code and give you access into the shell is that right, about right Michael Something yeah that's, that. that's roughly yeah so they've patched it at the end of the day you don't have to worry anymore Rocco you're safe well again. see it's patched in 5.12 so I already have 5.12 so it's good I'm, I'm covered yeah but I mean it's hidden from the download page. Practically, what you're on doesn't exist. Yes. Yeah, I don't <laughs> exist any longer. You're a phantom user. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have uh, identity issues. I don't know what I'm on. You don't even know what you're on. <laughs> so. Is it a distro or not a distro? <laughs> uh, Windows 10 adds more WSL features. You know what a WSL is? Anyone? Anyone? Disgraceful. Disgraceful. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a walk-in single loo? No. All right. It's, All not, right. A, so, it's not a loo. So <laughs> I thought this article was interesting because last week we uh, ended up getting alarms going off because we talked about Windows too much, right? Be careful because you might get <laughs> yeah. those alarms again. But I, I wanted to throw this in because, you know, we talked about the what's Windows doing within Linux. Does it matter? All of that type of stuff. Well, Windows 10 has some more features they've released for WSL. For those who don't know, WSL is the Windows subsystem for Linux, basically being able to execute bash commands within uh, Windows 10. So those who are developers can basically do the development work that they need to use Linux for within Windows. So Windows kind of keeps you there. 
The funny thing about this is people have done hacks already because it's only supposed to be bash script where they can actually run the whole GUI through the bash script, which is just genius. You got to love Linux people. Anyways. <laughs> uh, I told you Linux people were smarter than Windows. Right. They're always going to work around something there. Yeah. Uh, but they've got some new features that they've added into it. The method for you to automatically configure certain functionality. So every time you launch the subsystem, it basically does auto mounting of your drives or external drives and those type of things. So some automation there. And then allowing applications to communicate with each other over Unix sockets. So now you can run a service in Windows and make it available in both Windows and the WSL apps uh, bash scripting. So very interesting that they're continuing to, obviously they've released this feature, but they're continuing to add more and more features to it as well. And of course, there are several versions of Linux that you can run within this. So there you go. Yeah, I, I, I was just joking earlier, but it is, it's, it's good something in a way that you could say it's good because it, it gives people who don't have access to Linux stuff, they could say, Oh, this is what Linux is. I might give it a try now. You know, you never know. I was going to say, especially on the developer side, if you've got someone who's been working in Windows yeah. this whole time and hasn't really wanted to tiptoe into Linux, wow, this stuff is so good that Windows have given us access to it. Yeah. So that might be a bit of a backfire. For, for Microsoft, and we might get a few more developers coming over. Zeb, they, have, they have thought about this. Look, this is Microsoft. They have never had anything backfire on them, okay? <laughs> My only fear uh, with this Windows is... Eight. <laughs> Let everybody raise Windows your me. Millennium. You, you could just leave it at Windows. and. Yeah. <laughs> my, my only fear is there was a lot, you know, because my channel, um, especially early on, drew a lot of beginners to Linux. And one of the things I constantly heard was you can only do terminal stuff in Linux. You have to use the terminal to use Linux. And so now I could see situations in which somebody's like, I'm going to go try Linux. The first article that comes up in Google is WSL and they're stuck there with a command prompt and the terminal. I mean, that's kind of some of my fear there. Yeah, it's, it's possible that they might have experienced, but I think that the, the reputation of Linux is already at that point. So I th- I don't think this would hurt in that aspect. I think it was just like uh, another thing that it would be just more confusion of the, the Linux, like I would say brand, but like the, uh, the amount of information surrounding the word Linux, like it's actually unfortunate that they say they call it the subsystem for Linux because it's not really Linux because the kernel's not involved. It's just an API like imp- implementer. Right. Uh, but like other than that, like it's, it has, you know, it's got both, like good and bad. And the fact that, um, you know, OpenSUSE, Fedora, and Ubuntu all have like ability to use the uh, subsystem, like that, that's interesting in mm-hmm. itself because they could more people will be exper- like exposed to the different types of Linux pretty easily. So, like, you know, it could be cool. It also could backfire. So one of our patrons says it's not Linux; it's GNU Linux. <laughs> um, okay. I don't, I don't a hundred percent disagree, but I do, I do disagree. <laughs> well, look, we don't disagree that it's, that it is, uh, but we all know what we're talking about when we say it. So they were saying in jest. Oh, no. I, yeah. So in other software news, um, we've got some in, interesting information here. If you're an Instagram f- uh, fan. Oh, Rocco. Yeah, sure. I mean, like I use Instagram like almost. Never. You can't get them off Instagram. If you want to find what's going on in Rocco's life, like, go to his Instagram. I have an Instagram account, and I don't, I don't even touch it. So well, go ahead, Zeb. Go ahead. Well, the good news is 
you can now ram me. Sorry, Rame. How you pronounce that? I do not know. But instead of using Instagram, you can now ram me. That's the only or rammy. It's an Electron app that lets you post pictures, locations and captions from the desktop. Now, something that has not been available on other Instagram um, wannabes. So it's going to be a good thing for those Instagram fans. But Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, how many more ways are they going to get you to disseminate your public life out there for the world to ridicule what? I just took a selfie to post on all of them. <laughs> it's going to be great. So that's one of the things I don't get. You go onto Facebook or you go onto Instagram to create your Facebook post to put on Facebook so you can send it to Instagram. I mean, Instagram is, is it's its own separate community. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I just don't see the point of these applications. But the the, the young kids love them. So if we can get some young kids on Linux because they've yeah. now got a, a functional um, Instagram thing it's it's got to be good so just out of curiosity how many of us here out of us four use instagram i mean i have an account but i don't use it so do i raise my hand or not yeah that was gonna be my second question (laughs) who has an account but has never used it yeah Yeah. that's three of us by the way for those listening yeah yeah i I use use instagram and facebook (laughs) and twitter and google plus and uh pretty much all the hand in your info out don't you And, and snapchat and you snap uh, your chat, yeah, wow, mm-hmm. and everything. I'm also a marketer, so I kind of like yeah. I'm forced to essentially. But the the thing about this is this RAM thing. It, it's cool that they're doing it, and I hope that they improve. Like the next version is what I'm I'm excited for because mm-hmm. they announced that. Like right, I've tried RAM in the past, like a couple months ago, and the reason I didn't like it is because it only does one account at a time. Mm-hmm. And why would I use more than one account? I could just go to the website. Uh, mm-hmm. And the idea is that people were saying because that they added the ability to upload in RAM, they didn't. Uh, Instagram added that ability through a browser, a mobile browser user agent. So if you change your user agent to any mobile browser for any browse on, on any desktop browser, you can up you can upload through nice. that. That's a good so, workaround right there. So yeah, if you so don't you want to use, use anything it, you want. Do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have to use RAM. But the reason why I'd wa- I want RAM to be like as good as it is like it good as it could be is that if they add ability to have multiple accounts, which they said they're going to in a future release, that would make it very powerful because changing your user agent all the time is, is pretty annoying. <laughs> so, well, you know what? Zeb, you rock. You just really rock, man. I don't. I Clementine. <laughs> <laughs> you rock. I was just thinking a- we've now got another music player to play. Yeah. We've got we've got another social media site and we've got another music player. Your rock music player, if you're looking for something new, is a QT. It's a QT. It's a QT. Based audio player with simple, easy to use interface, complete with cover art and all kinds of functions. But it's really supposed to be a very simple music player. And I know somebody on this show actually played with it and fell in love. It's their favorite go-to using it nonstop. <laughs> To play Garth Brooks Thunder Rolls on repeat. <laughs> and apparently it's perfect for that. Only Marco? One, only one song you need. Yeah, I just need one song. So this, this player works perfectly for one song if it would actually <laughs> work. Okay, so <laughs> I installed it. Look, I tried this before and it actually is a nice player. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, there's, there's, okay. it's a good player. But mm-hmm. when I went to install it this last time, uh, just two days ago, 
it installed and I don't have any, because of my hardware situation, I don't have any of my music files in my home folder. So his music file. Yeah. I don't have my music thunder roll file, thunder rolls (laughs) file in my home folder. So it's on a different drive. So I searched for the other drive and added the folder to it and it immediately crashed. So I didn't play around with it too much longer because mm-hmm. I I listen to Thunder Rolls on Google Music because that's all I need. And no, and he Google, just puts, he just puts a desktop icon for for the song. He calls it Brooks Mark. I've even changed the icon to like a, a player. <laughs> no, it's just a, it's just it's just a guitar. That's all it is. <laughs> I use so Google it wasn't Music. Your favorite thing? It wasn't. I use Google Music Player for my music. Because I don't store my music on my computer anymore. Right. If I did store my music on my computer, this would probably this would probably work fine. Can you just say going forward, you use a cloud-based music player and not mention it's Google? It's embarrassing. Well, <laughs> speaking of Excuse Google, excuse me, Mister Chromebook. Wow. <laughs> hey, I have Crouton on my Chromebook. I am uh, on XFCE Ubuntu. Thank you very much. After a lot of testing, of course, is that he's got Crouton on. Yeah. 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 I may go back and forth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of Google, so Ryan, yeah. what, would it be awesome if you got one of those emails offering you a flight to Nigeria uh-huh. and you were able to book the flight right there live in your email? You know, it would save so much time because I get these emails from all these long lost relatives that are former princes and kings of countries and stuff. And they want me to give them my bank account information, just give them like 25 bucks and what? they'll give me like 30 million gold coins or something. What could so, go wrong? Yeah. So it would yeah. now what I have to do is I have to click the link. I have to have the website open. Then I have to give them all my PayPal bank account, social security information. Right. And I'm still waiting. Yeah. I'm still waiting. Yeah, Rocco, definitely. Well, Google wants to implement this. So Uh now it says they they plan on, I don't see like when it's going to actually happen, if it's going to happen or if it's just an idea, but the article is stated as it plans to change. So we'll see. But AMP for email. So it will basically do that. You'll be able to say book a flight directly within your email after you receive an offer from an airline. That's the example that they give. So seriously, though, what could go wrong? Yeah, it's it's not like email is is by design insecure and all the data is is plain text and they easily scrape your content. That, that would not happen. <laughs> so I you know, take it this would be only scams. available. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just saying the phishing scam potential alone here is yeah. just insane. So – I take it that this would not work in Thunderbird. You would have to be on the web version of Gmail. I'm assuming. I don't know. I mean, it, it might be just a Gmail thing. Uh, there are some Gmail things that they are doing right now that are that are exclusive to Gmail. That is probably that is probably the case. Uh, there's a there, there is an automatic response system that's built into Gmail now, so that you can say someone can ask you a question. You can say, "Yeah, I got it," or something like that. And it's just like an automatic, really quick snippet thing. Um, but that's the that's the most uh, interactive thing I've seen since the well forever using it, but yeah, this one sounds um, uh, what's the word awful, awful. <laughs> well, according to the blog, they are 
Google, it's actually in the Gmail developer preview. So, right. uh, I guess regular users won't get it yet until they decide to send it out to like a quarter of them. My, again, my question would be, can I have the facilities to say, no, thank you. I don't want this feature. Well, if you don't click the button, uh, I think that's the only option. I don't, they're probably not going to give you the ability to turn it off because they, they don't, unless it's in the, it's in the labs, there's no ability to turn off any feature that Gmail has. Then I need to find another uh, email supplier because uh, protonmail.com would be my recommendation. <laughs> Was that Stop your using Google that? products? <laughs> no, I you know Google has been known. I mean, Gmail has been a very secure mail platform. I can't think of many outside of phishing, people clicking on links they shouldn't, and that type mm. of thing. Any it has the best spam been compromised yeah. and has fantastic spam integration. This makes me worry though, not because I don't think Google will find a way to keep it secure, but that people, these phishing scams are gaining in popularity because they work. People mm, right. love to click links within their email. They cannot stop it. Now you're going to put interactive, uh, boxes <laughs> to enter your personal information within the email as well. This is just, there's so much bad here, but I'm really hoping that this story isn't exactly a hundred percent of what we're going to see after the development version or that Google yeah. just hands it all together. They destroy the amp, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, my- usually Google has a reputation for only destroying things that are valuable or, yeah. or people <laughs> like the stuff that they don't like. They keep around. So I miss wave. <laughs> Here's one. All right, so Ryan will love this next story because... Does it have anything to do with Google? Because if so, I already love it. Well, uh, VLC 3.0 is released. Yeah. And now with Chromecast. That is sharp. (laughs) That is so awesome. So now you're basically saying I could put VLC on my Chromebook that's so versatile it can run Linux pure Linux, Ubuntu, and XFCE, and it can run Chrome OS. Yes, it can run Chrome OS. And, it and I could download VLC on either one of those. Well, not Chrome OS. whatever no. it is to to any device that allows me to cast. Yep. To your just, TV, yeah, just Chromecast, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just Chromecast, yes, exactly. <laughs> so It's amazing, Rocket. There's other features in here, too. There's... Oh. Uh, you can get hard, hardware decoding by default, 4K and 8K playback. Nice. Um, awesome. Blu-ray Java, Java menus? I mean, what is that all about, Michael? It might be referencing the fact that you can use the, uh, the, uh, for a long time you could do, you could actually like play an ISO of a C, of a DVD, but now you can do like ISOs of a Blu-ray. So that, like that, so you can like navigate through all the menus rather than you know it'll like load up the chapter menu panel stuff. Right. Okay. I got you. That's probably what it is. Yeah. So you, Ryan, you have support for local network drives and NAS. And I have one of those. The Synology, in fact. Mm-hmm. So there you go. DLC's mm-hmm. looking hotter than ever, man. Okay. Three sixty so, video is one I, I really like. That that's pretty cool. So the last time I used VLC. And every time that I use VLC, I have issues with it. I don't know if it's the NVIDIA driver or what, but I have playback issues where I will open it up. And if I skip to a certain artifacts, yeah, it artifacts and, and the audio stops playing. So that's even freeze. I've had it, I've had it freeze on me. And that's Mm -hmm. why I use SM player because 
every time I try to, you know, VLC is a great player. It's been around forever. Everybody knows it. Uh, it was yep. always the go-to player for uh, compatibility, but every single time I use it, I have issues with it. So, yeah, I agree. Try the, the whole artifacting thing, especially with like live streaming yep. is, is so obvious when you just, you skip a little bit and just like goes crazy with green weirdness everywhere. Yeah. Like uh, v- VLC is like the best open source video player on Windows. When you're on Linux, there's w- so many other options that are actually better. Well, okay. MPV is really, but, um, <laughs> but SM player inherits uh, is is inheriting the benefits of MPV, so that one too. Well, for gra- take it for granted though, I did not try 3.0, so we'll see. There you go. Hopefully, I tried they snaps, issues. which was quite interesting. So I downloaded the snap, and it all went perfectly. And there was my little icon, and I clicked it, and I went into my media drive, opened up a video. The video absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh. I tried MKVs and MP4s and AVIs and every type of video format you could work out nothing so i uninstalled it and guess what normal vlc won't work now won't yeah. work nope doesn't work wow that's and i can't reinstall it either so i've just yeah i'm not even gonna bother i'm sticking with sm player sorry as you say great on windows just doesn't cut it in linux i'm afraid yeah. I think SM player and when MPV, like, you know, inherently, like the, the playback is more reliable and it's like, it supports as much, even more so than VLC uses. Mm -hmm. Like, so if you, if you're just, if if VLC is the only experience you've had, then uh, you should definitely check out SM player or MPV because those are so much more reliable. And uh, I think they're actually more featureful. Although I don't know if they support 360 video. So Rocco, <clears throat> who has enough hardware that they could put 19 CPUs to the test? There's only one man around that I know that could have that kind of test. Name this person. Michael Larabelle. Yeah, man. So this guy has a crazy amount of hardware. I would love just to go into his laboratory, we should call it, and just play. You could probably build 16 CPUs with the spare parts he has sitting in a box. But he's taken 19 CPUs of a whole range of Intel and Ryzen AMD CPUs and put them, even the Threadripper and even a Xeon Gold server processor, and put them up against the test using Linux kernel 4.15 to see who's fastest in a variety of tests. And you know Pharonics, how he goes. He's got 19 pages practically of tests. He's yep. running this thing. Uh, so it's really, it, it, you can't... Um, you know, talk about every single test that was run. You'll have to go out there and look at it for yourself. But a lot of them were regarding encoding, compression, compiling, and those type of things. So not gaming, just those type of measurements. And, of course, the Xeon Gold two-time server processor is pretty much dominated a lot of areas. And when I say this, I'm saying in general, as you go through the graphs and you look at it for the most part, they're winning. There are situations where one jumps back and forth. But what was surprising to me a little bit was that pretty much Intel dominated most categories. So if it wasn't the Xeon, it was the i9 or i7. Um, the Threadripper and some of the Ryzen's were there a couple times, but very on top uh, through some of the tests, but very, very little. Were the tests biased, do you think, to, to make Intel look better? Well, I don't think uh, Michael uh, mm. would do anything like that because that would not only that not only do did we 
talk to him and that doesn't mm-hmm. seem like something he would do, but it would ruin his reputation at Phronics if he ever did anything like that. So to chat around the Linux world is that the AMDs and the Threadrippers are better. But this obviously disproves that, sure. Well, it depends on the specific thing yeah. you're running. So, I mean, when you look at what could be what you're looking at here are a bunch of tests that most of us are not doing with our machines. Right. And mm-hmm. that I would say, frankly, are more server developer oriented tasks and Intel's killing it in that. If you took some of his other um, benchmarking he's done where he's taken some of these Ryzen builds and done gaming and things like that on them, you see different results. Ryzen keeps right. up in some cases better. In some cases, it's more of an even spread. So with this particular kind of test, uh, I'm not... I was a little bit surprised the Threadripper didn't do a little better in some of this, but I wasn't shocked that Intel at this point came out on top. Sorry, this week the test didn't include any gaming stuff. It was just pure technical. Right. Yeah. Right. I think it could be just like the, the, what it's being tested in on, what it's being testing in, and what they're using it to be testing on. So like the, even the fact that it's using Ubuntu 1710, which is like the first testing version of Ubuntu with GNOME, like mm-hmm. that could be a, a bottleneck as well that might have the results might be a little bit off and because of that too. So like there's, there's many factors. This is more like an interesting amount of data just to have like a, it's a, it's a good data set. These benchmarks are not necessarily always set like the most fair in general, but it's because it's also really hard to be like absolute fair in every aspect of a benchmark because even if just a slightly, just something slightly changes, it changes the result. So I'd say it's, uh, I doubt he purposefully made any kind of skewing. I missed the Rocket League comparison in this. Oh, absolutely. Come on. Oh, <laughs> that, 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 that means, well, maybe because he skipped that part, it proves that it's a flawed benchmark. <laughs> if you don't have Rocket League benchmarked in there, it's a failure. So Ryan. Yeah. Have, have you tried to buy a, uh, video card lately? Actually, yeah, I have, and it's so annoying. Okay, so there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of Bitcoin stuff talking about a lot of miners, a lot of. I don't like them. I don't like those miners. Okay, so apparently, yeah. Nvidia kind of admits that they're not making enough cards, and maybe that's why the prices are ridiculous right now. Well, they're not making enough cards because of those craze of the dumb bitcoins that go like this is supposed to be the future of money that jumps from one day it's worth five thousand dollars next day it's worth sixteen thousand this is this is not the future of money right now this is just and i know i'm gonna get a lot of hate mail for that but they're they're annoying they're, they're annoying the market to death with their greediness of buying up every single gpu that hits a store shelf and causing people like me not to be and this is why i'm mad to be able to play with the new vega 64 What's up? So does anybody no. know anybody that actually does any of this mining that makes any money? No, they wouldn't be my friend. I'd kick them out in the street if I saw them. Stop it. I'd take their computer and I'd, their whole mining facility and burn it to the ground. I know a bunch of people who mine, but I don't think the, the, um, they do make money. But the money they make is like just enough to break even. Or they have certain types of hardware that's like not... It's specifically to um, 
like this like massive servers and stuff and not not something like this where they would just buy graphics cards and try to like repurpose it um so like everybody i've done i've talked to that i know does bitcoin mine or just mining in general cryptocurrency mining are doing it pr- pretty much because it's fun so does that well, mean that uh, the what's amount fun of- about staring at your what's fun about that sorry you Robert. don't stare you set it up and you just let it go you, what's you, fun you about do- that it's it's, it's I can a, make a little counting app that adds numbers. It's an experience. <laughs> They're not making any money, but there's oh my gosh. Well, it's fun because you're learning the blockchain system. You're learning like the in, the the introductory. They're not of, learning it. They're writing. A, they're running a pre-written script kitty some, thing. They download and just let it run and go. Oh look, I got one billionth of one bitcoin. Okay, the people I know are learning it, and so. <laughs> <laughs> probably not the, the amount of people who are buying all these cards probably aren't, but uh, well, that was like what them. I was trying to ask. Like these cards are being sold. So people are basically buying cards as a fad type. Thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But and, as, as soon as it went to like $15,000 for a Bitcoin, people just lost their minds. It's like, yeah. we got to jump in. It's like, well, in about three weeks, it's going to just plummet. So good job with that. And it did. So, so Nvidia loves this that people are buying all these cards, and I'm sure they're in such a rush to get new cards out there to meet the demand. Well, funny you should say that meeting the demand. There's actually one very clever Russian. Only it turns out he's not so clever. He thought, damn, I can't get hold of a video card. I know what? I'll use my nuclear power station. And he actually tried to use the processing power oh my of the local nuclear weapons facility to mine bitcoins. So the question is, how far do you think he got? How much money did he make before he got caught? Have a guess. I hope it's a lot. It better be a lot. I mean, it's a supercomputer, right? One of the so it's got to be. He's made millions off of this. I probably not zero. Wow, oh, like every that's, other Bitcoin that's so mining. awesome. As soon as he tried to connect to the internet, he had 15 burly guards come running into the power station and arrest him. Nice. These things are all offline. I mean, the guys worked there for years and he didn't even realize there was no internet connections in them. So he's made nothing. Wow, that is so awesome. What What a way to lose an awesome career. I mean, you're a Russian scientist working in a nuclear center, which, by the way, as I understand, is one of the birthplaces of the Soviet Union's first nuclear weapon. So probably a very important center. And you decide, you know what? I want a Bitcoin mine because that's where the money's at, man. Yeah, I'm gonna get I understand someone wanting to use like their company server, but you should, there should be a limit where if nuclear is in the name of your company, you don't do. So imagine the, even the security that they have here. So the second, like Zeb said, they go on the internet, these guys, they, they know, but here's what's shocking in the article is this isn't the first time somebody's tried to use a supercomputer within, with, that they have access to, to secretly Bitcoin mine. I mean, what is going on with this Bitcoin mining crap? I, I, I've, I've, I've um, talked with people who have done this. Oh my gosh! It's the I new wouldn't call it a supercomputer. It probably, it probably wouldn't actually get the specific rating of a supercomputer, but giant server farm. Yeah. Wow. Well, Rocco, now you know what you can do with your 1080. Right. Sure. <laughs> Go get some Bitcoin. 
So this uh, the, this week we had an announcement for the KDE Slimbook Two uh, from the Slimbook company that creates a a KDE branded Slimbook version that has Plasma by default, and this one is um, a, a huge upgrade to the hardware as well as improvements to the 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 screen itself. So like the hardware has got um, upgrades to i5s, the uh, newer i5s, newer i7s. And overall, it's 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 got like a lot of nice features that are making it sort of Mac-ish. So if you mm-hmm. like that kind of thing, uh, oh which, yeah. To be fair, the Mac laptops do look good. Uh, they're not functionally good, but they they look good. So it's it's nice to have something that's uh, both functional and looks nice. Uh, the you old one. The old one was. Yeah, the the price is is was a like roughly about two hundred euros difference, like roughly. What's it? What's uh, that in real money, Michael? <laughs> oh, uh, about two hundred and fifty real money. Okay, U.S. dollars. By the way. We don't talk in monopoly money on this show, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And and if you were looking around the internet, how does this fare with buying another notebook of your own choice and then just whacking KDE on it anyway? As far as someone who's from from the U.S. It's not mm-hmm. practical because the currency conversion is just going to make it like way more expensive than like if you just bought like, uh, you know, a system 76 or a station X or something like that. Are these uh, the ones that are made in Spain then? Yes. Right. They're made in Spain. And it, like it, as far as like hardware wise, like if you, if you have, you know, you live in Europe or in the UK, the cost of the product is, is actually a reasonable choice. So, um, it, like the, the amount of money, the conversion plus the custom stuff, like you're going to look at like an extra $500 just to get the machine. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say it's probably like for us, it's not practical, but like it looks nice. And uh, I like the fact that it's, um, it has options for up to, up to 16 gigs of RAM. Yeah. Um, for, preferably, I mean, I would kind of want a 32, but it's an ultra book. So that would be a little ridiculous to want that. Uh, yeah. It actually has USB ports, unlike a MacBook. So yeah. you know, you're not going to have to have dongles hanging off the side of it. Yeah, and, and one of them is a Type C, I think, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. And they've got yeah. bigger touchpad, 15% larger backlit keyboard. These are some of the things that, in an HD screen, are to me a must on any laptop. You're going to have a laptop that's got to have those things. Well, there is one Type C on there, and yeah. it definitely looks really good. The other yeah. week, other month or whatever, when Jonathan Riddle was on, he showed us an early build of it, and I don't know, it looks amazing. It looks pretty, look like a pretty good laptop. I, I, I definitely want to play with it, but uh, you know, not even do the customs deal with it, right? And th- and these i fives and i sevens are they the like the HQ mobile ones? As again, yeah, the mobile ones, a yeah. full fledged fledged i seven, yeah. No, it would be a mobile version because it has to be the mobile version for the the thickness of the laptop. Mm-hmm. So who's buying one? Not me. Rocco's I'm in the US. I'm in the US. Right, Rocco. Well, I'm in Europe, but I've just bought one, so it's not on my Christmas list. Wow. <laughs> I'll talk to KDE team. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a article that talks about 14, count them, 14, and we're not going to go through all 14, but – Talks about say everyone just turned off the radio. I know it's Click. like wow. Fourteen of the most <clears throat> useful Linux websites. Yeah. So the top three most useful Linux websites on this article are Kernel Newbies, LinuxQuestions.org, and the Ubuntu forums. Anybody have any problem with yeah. that? 
Anybody have uh, any good things yeah, about yes. that? I think the Ubuntu forums is a bad option. Ask Ubuntu would be way better than that. Um, uh, the Ubuntu forums is kind of dated, and most of the content you find on there is really old. People still use it, but the most of this, when you search for like, how do I do something specific, and you go to the Ubuntu forums, it's ancient. There's like 2009 data there. That's true. Where, yeah, where if you go to Ask Ubuntu and you search for it, people are very active on Ask Ubuntu, and the content is updated automatically because anybody can make it. Like with a forum, whoever makes this statement, only that person can edit it or a moderator. Whereas Ask Ubuntu, anybody could go in and say, hey, here's an update to this topic. You were right, but six months later, it's different. Here's the, here's the tweak, and you can tweak it, and moderators can approve it or whatever. Like there's that, That's a much better solution than I think than the forums. Brian, you got any websites you would add onto this? Um, Google.com slash Chromebook is amazing. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the list. Kernel Linux, uh, Kernel, Kernel Linux. I got, uh, Noah on the brain. Kernel Newbies, LinuxQuestions.org, Ubuntu Forums, Reddit, LWN.net, Pharonix, Linux Magazine, The H Open, DistroWatch, The Linux Documentation Project, GitHub, GN, yeah. GNU.org, Planet Gnome, Stallman.org. There's the list. Got any I mean, that. And were they were they in order of being the most useful, or just a random list put together? And these are the fourteen most useful. Because it was just random. Linux, Linux, or kernel newbies, really. So to be fair, that is not the most useful for most people. But for people who are interested in learning anything about the kernel, kernel newbies is fantastic. Like I, I didn't even know about this until about a couple of weeks ago. And when yeah, I started looking to it, you're going to buy a new car, so you've got to read just mechanic first. <laughs> You don't? <laughs> no, you don't. You just go and buy a car and drive it. <laughs> what? I want to install a Linux operating system. Why I was told I have, have to buy a kit car and put the engine in myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. That was a great comparison, Zeb. Really, really great technical site, but the most useful? I would say, okay, okay, fair enough. It's not the most useful <laughs> for – I think it's a great site because it takes the the technical aspects of what changes in the kernel and, like, uh, makes it more consumable, I think. <laughs> Just I, I don't know. It's number but, one in the list. Uh, okay, it's – The most useful website. I don't think it was ranked in order. I don't think it was ranked. I hope not because I got to number three in fault next. <laughs> okay, maybe it should be more in the sense of, like – the most that should be at like the top of the most useful ways to learn Linux. How about that? That'd be better. I, it's fair to say that that most people wouldn't bother to learn. Okay. So, so the title of the article is 14 of the most useful Linux website, but the subtitle is looking to learn more about open source and free software. You can't go far wrong with the list on our site. So the, I guess the kernel newbies would be if you're trying to learn. More That's having about, your cake and eating it too. <laughs> you, the title doesn't match with the articles, like the actual yeah. websites, but that's the subtitle on it. So one of the biggest ones we go to, but we always take the mick out of it. DistroWatch. DistroWatch. DistroWatch has actually like, uh, as far as like they constantly make updates and they keep track of things. That's really good. Their website mm. is awful. It looks like garbage. Uh, they should update, you know, for this decade maybe. Tell us but, what you really think. Uh, well, I mean, I, I like what they do and the effort they put in. It's just maybe yeah. put some effort into like, you know, how it looks ever. Maybe just Have you a, recorded uh, a bug. This is coming from yes. a web designer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, That's don't true. add qualifiers. That's not fair. <laughs> um, it is kind of like, I don't know, uh, 1993 ish. It, yeah. lo- it, it looks ancient. It, yeah. it, anyway, but we all it use it. it. I like we the, all love it. 
They do have some good features. I mean, as far as like they keep, it's surprising how well they keep up to date with like application news, distro releases, all that stuff. That's really yeah. good. I think well, Reddit's a good one. Reddit's got a lot of great Linux information on it. Yeah. A lot of other junk, but if you stick to the Linux forums, you'll be happy. You should, get, and if you have any help, you need help with Reddit. Don't go to the regular R Linux. You go to the the Linux questions one because that one's the 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 R Linux. If you ask a question that's like support, they'll 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 close the thread, delete your comment, and then their only comment will be, uh, this is against our rules, so no. <laughs> this site, this page. It seems instead. like you found that out the hard way. No, I was actually oh. like looking at the like the most, uh, new, like I went to the new tab of that Reddit, of uh, that subreddit, and I saw like within a week there was like seven that are just that. Oh wow. Like, oh okay, now, that happens a lot, it seems. So what do you think, Rocco? Anything missing off this list? Well, I, I'm sorry, but I don't know how you can put a website list together and mention Linux and not put OMG Ubuntu in there. Yeah, man. I mean, I like OMG. I don't know too many yep. people that don't visit OMG Ubuntu and get information from it. So I think that was a big mistake to not put it in there. But I love um, LinuxQuestions.org. And Jeremy Garcia was the founder of LinuxQuestions.org. And I mean, he is a wealth of knowledge, dude, as far mm-hmm. as the statistics and i would love to pick his brain sometime and talk about linux but yeah linuxquestions.org is pretty good man we got yeah. our friend Veronix on there they are missing any gaming information so i think you got to put gaming on linux on there as well absolutely list out yeah and they're also missing the preeminent podcast that's linux right. destination that's right <laughs> wait wait you got it backwards that's because the list is backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Got it. All right. So we have some sad news in the uh, Linux community, in yeah. the open source software community. So the EFF announced that John Perry Barlow passed away. And I don't know much about John Perry Barlow, but apparently – he did a lot for open source and free software. Do any of you guys have any experience with his work? Um, as far as using the the stuff he's done, is and also like just the paying attention to what all the the EFF is doing yeah. uh, throughout the years. Um, there's been so much good, and it, it's it's pretty much undescribable. You can't really like provide a list of all the things that he's done because it's so much. Like the EFF itself is such a vital organization that that alone is enough to appreciate his work and you know put everything on top of that is just indescribable yeah what he created here is protection for so many of us and the thing that we love the the internet and the freedom of it and when i first came across eff it was because audios or studios giant studios were suing college students they were suing all of these individuals who obviously going up against Sony or RCA or some of these gigantic companies when you're just a college student who are now suing you for $30,000 because they say they think you illegally downloaded some of their music online. And then the EFF comes in and helps those students fight against those giant companies to give basically a barrier between them and going after individuals was the first time they came on to my radar and they've just been amazing in that way as being a voice for us 
you know, smaller people against these gigantic corporations that otherwise are trying to or could be trying to ruin something, one of the last real free places left uh, out there. Okay, so uh, on to some happier news. Gaming. Everybody loves gaming, dude. Everybody loves it. Ryan, what have you yeah. been playing this week? I've been playing an incredible game that I did not expect to be incredible at all. Because when you look at it, when you first look at this game, you're going to, if you're a platformer, you're going to kind of smile because it looks like a platformer, like what you might play on a Super Nintendo or something along those lines. It's called Owlboy. It's a story-driven platform adventure game. You fly and explore all these different new worlds. But I'm telling you, the soundtrack in this game is worth a purchase by itself. It's incredible. The soundtrack is absolutely beautiful. Um, the scenery, the art, and everything, even though it's pixel graphics, is absolutely gorgeous and well done. The storyline is fantastic. I love every time I pick up my controller. There are some games you play and you like them and you're playing them for a couple of days and then you leave it and you don't want to come back to it. Owlboy is not like that. It reminds me of the original Zeldas and those type of games where once you pick it up and you get a little into the story, you keep thinking about it throughout the day and you want to get back to it. That's this game. It's got very nice save, uh, auto save feature. So, you know, if you need to shut it off, play for 20 minutes and then shut it off or whatever you can. And it's won a ton of awards. Most of the critics give it a 9 out of 10, 90 out of 100. It's been rated in the top 15 games of the year. It's a really incredible game. I highly, highly, highly recommend it if you like platformers. I give it a 4.8 out of 5 all day long. <laughs> no. That's, um, so but your early use is not using a controller, but uh, WASD, of course, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I used the controller because it's a platformer, man. <laughs> wait, wait, this doesn't make any sense. An i3 using, using a controller? I yeah, it that. works in i3. Everything works in i3. <laughs> Everything. Well, I am not a 2D graphic game person, but anytime somebody puts into that much effort into it, like you were talking about the soundtrack and everything, mm-hmm. anytime you put that much effort into it, you know, hats off to you because that's what makes a game fun. That's what makes a game immersive. Like when you forget that you're, you know, sitting down to play a game and you're just immersed into it, that's awesome. Yeah. To be fair, you've actually convinced me to try and give it a try. Uh, when I first heard about this game, I was like, Oh no, it's named (laughs) Owl Boy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the name could really have used some work, right? <laughs> as soon as I was like, I saw the like the little uh, the, the 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 advertisement on YouTube or whatever. Like, not really. It was like their teaser video, and it was just like Owl Boy, and it showed the picture of the characters. Like, you should work on that. <laughs> <laughs> they could have put a little more, especially for as much as they put into the game uh, time into the naming convention of it. But I promise you, once you get in there and play with the story, you'll absolutely love it. You've got bosses. You've got different types of attacks you have to do with different types of enemies. And it has puzzles. But here's the thing. I'm not a puzzle person. The puzzles are are they're fun puzzles. They're not ridiculously complex where you're going to be stuck in the same area for four hours trying to figure out how to open a stupid door. You know, My favorite like, part is the, is the frustration of puzzles. That's the best part of any oh, game. Oh, gosh. Why even play a game, right? <laughs> Well, look, our friends over at Feral Games, who do absolutely awesome work, Mm -hmm. have made an announcement, a teaser, so to speak, 
yeah. about bringing a game to Linux. And a few weeks ago, they it was a few weeks ago, a month ago, they had asked uh, everybody what game they would like to see come to Linux. I'm not quite 100% sure that this is the answer to that announcement, but they have basically announced that Rise of the Tomb Raider will officially yeah. be coming to Linux. That's a good choice. So I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see it. they didn't say when. I should say in a tweet they said this winter, and then that tweet got deleted and replaced with another mm. one. So there's no official date, but it looks like it's coming to Linux this year. That's awesome. I mean, I I definitely want to play it. Like if you've ever played the the, the current version from 2013, like that was a uh, like the true to form Tomb Raider that you know like for a long time releases of Tomb Raider were not were not playable. And that was like the first one back. We're like, okay, now we can actually play this game. Well, I have a friend who has played some of the game. And uh, that, that friend be you? Yourself? Oh. Because I'm your only other friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I I mean, I might have been playing this game on. How, how are you doing that? On an, well, it's kind of like magic. It's kind um, of. But <laughs> I might have been playing this game on another Ooh. operating system. Oh my for, god! For like absolute testing purposes only. Yeah. I mean, it was only for educational purposes. You have to I, know the enemy. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, but this game is awesome. So I can't wait for this. Is a uh, a class A title. So uh, I can't wait for it to come to Linux. Yeah, definitely a AAA game. This is a great thing to come on Linux. Whether you like this or not, it's really good for Linux to have these type of games because that's the big thing people will say now that we, you know, oh, you don't got the AAA titles. Well, we're, we're getting a lot of them. This is definitely one of them. It's got a 20-year celebration pack, which offers all kinds of new enhancements to the game, like zombie invasions, co-op, all this type of stuff. So it looks like a blast, man. And I did read somewhere, and I don't I think it's in this article, but I did read that if you have bought Rise of the Tomb Raider on that other operating system, it will also allow you to play it on Linux, so you don't have to repurchase it. Nice. So, a quick question for you. Is Rise of the Tomb Raider going to be as good as Canarium? (laughs) (laughs) Seb. Seb. How could you even compare the two, really? I mean, Canarium is like... There was a recommendation, I think, on last week's podcast that... Uh Try Canarium because it's got some really great graphics and it's a, it's a thrilling. Who would have recommended that to you, Zeb? Riveting game. Thirty minutes later, when I'd lost fifteen people off of my stream because I'm streaming it live, I gave up. Well, to be fair, didn't me and Rocco recommend Pitfall? Yes, <laughs> we did. <laughs> you should have went with my recommendation, Zeb, which was the 2D MMO. They were the ones who recommended to you to try Canarium. So, Just Zeb, what was, what was the problem with Canarium? Like, what didn't you like about it? The first thing that happens is you wake up, and I think I'm right, and really? I'm underwater. Okay. Why are you underwater? What has, what on earth has that got to do with being in the, in the frozen wastes somewhere trying mm. to find artifacts in either a ship or a container or something? So that was quite. Well, you're weird. underneath the ship. You got to swim up on that. <laughs> that could have been it, but it wasn't frozen. It wasn't in the Arctic. But as soon as I got to land, there was blizzards everywhere and all the rest of it. But it was also meant to be a scary. Yeah. yeah. Were you scared? In 30 minutes. 
I was more scared of me becoming scared than I was actually. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happened. Nothing happened. That's how they get you. I found my way through the blizzard and I got to this like hut thing and I worked out how to open the door. And then I spent 15 minutes working out that half the cabinets were locked and half the cabinets were open. And even when mm-hmm. you did open a cabinet, all you found was a book you had to read. Ooh, for that sounds riveting. What was in the book? It's, yeah, what was in the book? Where, are you, where, where were you? Where did you wake up? It's in the book. It was just about the most exciting thing I had to do was to run down to the other station. So through the blizzard, find the um, generator, find some petrol, pop it in there, start it up, run back up. You're in the shop or you're in this other cabin for two minutes and then the lights come out again. Yeah, to translate See? for our English listeners, uh, petrol is gasoline. Gasoline, yeah. <laughs> or diesel, yeah. So, so I don't know why you would listen to a recommendation by Michael anyway. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, 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 if, unless it's Rocket League, you can just ignore me. <laughs> well, there was a, fate was obviously taking a hand because on that stream, I had so, for some reason put my bit rate at one thousand, not ten thousand. So when you watched it back, it was even worse. So I deleted the whole thing. Oh man, we missed out on all of that. So So the good news is, I do have um, Tomb uh-huh. Raider. Oh, nice. So on a on a level well, on a Michael, scale of one to ten, you're saying eleven? Is that what is that what you're saying? What, for Canarium? Yeah. Yeah. Inquiring minds want to know, Zeb. One for graphics. <laughs> wow, a oh, one is that, four, is that is that with with the one thousand bit rate or just in general? No, me me watching it on my screen, <laughs> one for graphics was was quite good. But wow. How people can get excited about those types That's of games. Crazy. I, just I was excited about it. But that could have been just because of the trailer, too. Like, a lot yeah. of times they'll make trailers look so amazing, and then the game is like... I, I recall you making fun of me about, like, oh, you want to talk about a real game? You got off the 2D MMO, and you talked about Canarium. And here, if Zeb had listened to me, he would be a level... Be playing a wait, 2D MMO. Like, that's not an improvement. <laughs> wait, I usually trust Zeb in everything he says, okay? Uh-huh. But I would have to be the judge on how bad the graphics you, were. Then buy it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to look well, at this. It's terrible right now. It's terrible. Why would I buy Rocco. it? <laughs> he just told me it's terrible. Why would I buy it now? I'm not a gamer, but it was just tedious for 30 minutes. Is, uh, get our boy, you'll be happy. Trust me. Our boy. Yeah. Is that going to be my next challenge? Is it take our yes. boy? And <laughs> it's the and scariest one you could ever play. Yeah, you're going to be scared to death. <clears throat> so, um, Zeb doesn't care about. Canarium. He doesn't care for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. What's this I hear about Razor not caring about Linux? Look, this is a really interesting article. This individual, Husey, who has been a maintainer of GNOME software, um, 10 years of experience working in tons of open source projects, etc. He's even worked with other hardware manufacturers to basically get their uh, code and drivers and things onto Linux reached out to Razor, you know, the maker of all those popular mice and things that plebs use because, you know, real people use a Zowie FK2. But anyway, Logitech, <clears throat> like I said, um, the Razor anyways, they reached out to them and uh, based on the CEO, uh, Mean Ling Tan, who basically said we're inviting all Linux enthusiasts way in at the new Linux corner. I know I butchered that name. <laughs> That's why I get stuff laughing. <laughs> I hope I didn't butcher that name. Okay, so the post feedback suggestion ideas and how we can make, you know, basically how they can support Linux. 
And so he reaches out to the, them and says, Hey, I can help you guys. I'll help you, uh, with the, uh, drivers. Either I'll help, I'll write the drivers if you give me the specs or, you know, I can help you guys get it ported over to Linux. And they basically said, thanks, but no thanks. They're not interested. So it's kind of like, uh, talking out of one side of your mouth and doing the other, doing something else on the other side of your mouth. They're saying they're interested in Linux, but they don't really want to support it. I had Razer hardware before I transferred to Linux. When I came to Linux, I knew the software wasn't there, although there are some people who created third-party applications to try to make it work, and I left at that point and never looked back. So there you go. So what is the quality of Razer? I know a lot of Linux users use Razer products. So what is the quality of Razer products compared to other companies? I mean, that's going to be, that's highly debatable, but my personal opinion is Razer used to offer a, only a premium experience. You paid for it. Now what they've done, like most companies is they offer a low end devices. You can go get at Walmart for 30 bucks for a mouse, or you can get their super high end one. The super high end ones are nice. You know, they've got the features of, you know, the Logitechs or the Zowies and the other high end stuff. But to me, I just, if you're not going to support Linux, what do I have to anything to do with you for? You're worthless to me. I agree with that. So I went with Zowie, which is driverless, and actually, you know, says on their website they support Linux. So there you go. Well, if they nice. supported Linux, they should just make the drivers then, right? They don't need drivers. That's the whole point, Rocco. Lo- no logic- RGB cute lights on this. Well, you why? Need- you need the cute RGB lights. I got a blue light on my Logitech G5. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I like it, although it doesn't support. You want to theme your mouse, and don't you? I want to change that color, and I can't. <laughs> I want it so that when I hold my my mouse, that each individual uh-huh. finger lights up a different color. <laughs> no, wait. When if I, if I boot into the other, you guys are ridiculous. If I boot into the other operating system where the Logitech uh-huh. software works, you yeah. can set it up to have your keyboard light ridiculous amount of combinations. The, I have a G nine ten. And it has every kind of combination from a, from waving colors to ridiculous colors. <sighs> but the idea is if you pay for something, you want to get the most out of it. And I just wish that somebody would – or maybe Logitech itself would release the – the uh, whatever's needed to make the software work so you could actually change the lighting on it. It would be nice, and had Razer actually come out and said, "Yeah, we're going to work with you." Somebody who's willing to do all the work for them, by the way. Right. It would be it would be make Razer a little more interesting to me, but I, I kind of feel like they're uh, basically so popular now; it's basically a value brand, and you should look elsewhere. Or, or you could look at it as, I mean, this guy made a, a great offer to them, but then you also have to look at them as a company and how they're reacting to this. So you have an open source developer looking to make software for their comp basically for them. And yeah. the they didn't have to deal with licenses. Well, he offered yeah. both things. He offered both that he would help them write it or or he could help them maintain it or he could help, you know, their developers that they didn't have to give nothing. They could have just invited them in there. Yeah, but the question I'm asking is is it up would it be as a company, I'm looking at it from as a company, would it be up to their quality standards? You know what I mean? As a you're mm-hmm. offering this as a razor product, basically. This software. They could, they could test that once they'd got the guy in and okay, he'd been there a month. He'd, you know, he supplied them with some code and they can say, look, really sorry, but this is not up to scratch for us. This isn't going to work. Could. Instead of just shutting him down, they should at least give him an yeah. option. Yeah. And not only you're that, right. They shut him down by saying they're concentrating on Windows and Mac software. 
Yeah, or they could have said, yeah, they literally said we're concentrating on Windows well, and Mac software. I mean, it could be also a problem of like a corporation being big enough where the the top level says one thing and another one hasn't actually got to that point yet and doesn't isn't aware of it and just shuts it down because that's what their normal thing is. Right. Maybe they don't pay attention to their own CEO. It's possible. Mm-hmm. So just go knows. with the Zowie and you'll be happy. Yeah, as soon as they have some RGB, I'm I'm in. <laughs> you guys that terrible. You're like, on. listen, they don't include little stickers and things in the box. So I have nothing to do with them unless they got stickers. Yeah, because no, no, we no, know. No, no, no. I want my mouse to have a speaker at the bottom, so when I click it, it goes, good job, every time. Job. Wait. <laughs> Wait, does Zowie have like a uh, uh-huh. a mouse combo that's going to actually charge a wireless mouse that doesn't even need to be plugged in? To charge it, you use a wireless mouse and you call yourself a gamer. That's hilarious. I don't oh use goodness. a wireless mouse. I'm just talking I'm about so the Logitech. I'm so laughing inside. I use a G5 Logitech, <laughs> which is a corded mouse. If you would look it up, <clears throat> yeah, I use a corded mouse as well. Perfect. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I use a Logitech G5. But what so I'm saying fair. is, Logitech has come out with new hardware that is a wireless mouse that will be charged by sitting on the mouse pad. That's cute. Mm-hmm. That's that's how much does it cost to replace the ridiculous mouse amounts to buy this <laughs> stuff? Okay, it's they yeah. they see this new technology as a as a gateway and they just start charging the price. Hey, Zeb, we can go ahead and turn off our cameras for this next article. <laughs> wow, mm-hmm. we got nothing to so, add. Speaking of great new things, Rocket League has an update that they have announced that in March this year, this year they're going to bring in. Toys of Rocket League cars, but not just any toys, but toys that light up for the boost. And you can, you can experience in real life the boost power of Rocket League. Like, Michael, that's only two weeks away, you know. Uh, exactly. I'm super <laughs> excited. I have, I already have like 17 on pre-order. And yes, there's not that many of those cars that are being, I'm having two of each and a couple three, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So how much are these toys going to cost, man? A waste of money. Like six, five dollars, six dollars, something like that. <laughs> well, I know Ryan would love to talk about this. Well, here's one. Let me throw it at the wall. Wow, dude. Look at that. Look, I bought some of these pieces of crap. <laughs> and first of all, it's just 3D printed piece of plastic with no color on it that they call a rocket ball, number one. Okay. It just, it and just you, hurt me. You open it up and you get this junky little... uh less than a 25 cent uh, candy machine like vehicle out of it. And the only hope, the only reason why you would spend $5 on this is because it comes with a code inside that you can use to get in game items to add to your car. Except for the fact that after buying six of these, some of them were bought for me, but having six of these, there was only one code. So they basically you're wasting all this money on a cheap crap toy and now you want lights and things on it. Of course you guys want the mice with RGB lights on them because you want the stupid little cars with RGB what? lights on them too. How yeah. could you how could you how could you call yourself a Linux user and then buy something so you could get something? And and, and also <laughs> you're supposed how? to buy it to support <laughs> them, not buy it so like, I can get a code. Exactly. You should be donating it to Psionics. Like that's, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so and and besides like Maybe you don't want the painted one. That's just for juggling. If you want to juggle rocket rocket league balls, that's all. That's what. That's, <laughs> that's what I want to do. And it's and you can just experience the the detail. You colored your own. 
No, no, no. This is a different thing. Oh, okay. But let's say I this have one is up this, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this one is sad. good, but it's not big enough, right? Because it's like, but what if we had this one? <laughs> oh my god! <gosh. laughs> Zeb, are you as embarrassed as I am? What? What do you mean? He's speechless. Zeb won't even talk. <laughs> Zeb won't even talk. Speechless. He's speechless. Well, so I'm glad you guys have some new toys to play with the one game you play. <clears throat> I don't. I play more than one game. Rocket League and also uh, Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Power Bio Cars. Now the dungeon cold, no <laughs> sleepless night. When the rocket rolls <laughs> and the boost goes whoa. <laughs> oh my singing? gosh. <clears throat> a little bit, a little bit. Okay. All right. So, does anybody else have anything to cover? No. Rocket League? Are you mad now? Are I'm you, mad. Are you seriously you, mad? You got me mad with the Rocket League. Cheap plastic replica crap. Okay, so to be fair, there's only one code in general. So if you got a bunch of codes, it's the same code. You're kidding me. So I've no. been hunting out there for codes, and there's only one, and I already have one code. You've been taken. That oh, one code yeah. gets you two items, though. But here's, the, here's what's going to gonna annoy you more. It's going to do to me. <laughs> I got something for you, too. It's like, what, like five bucks to get one of those cards? Yeah. That might have a code. Yeah, there's a, like a Rocket League market for those for like items and stuff, and you can just uh, go buy the stuff that's in the code for like two. Oh, great! Oh, wonderful! So enjoy. So, but but as far as the people who are potentially wanting to get that, you don't have to. You can go to the market. Market just get. Next, you're going to tell me that Nigerian prince really wasn't my relative and not sending me six million dollars. No, that's your uncle. That's okay, your uncle. cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So look, Zeb, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show and being a part of this because the last couple of weeks have been awesome in having you on. And I can't wait to do further episodes with you. Definitely. It's, it's been fantastic. And I'm, I'm honored that you've, that you've chosen me to, to come and help you make a mess of the show. Thanks. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all we got. No, uh, right. Michael. Oh. <laughs> Michael. I was about to say. I was, I was expecting you to say, "Zeb, is, is thanks for coming on." And Michael, I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, Michael. Thank you for bringing your expertise to the show. Um, like yep. I said, the last two weeks have been awesome. Going back and forth with both of you guys. So. Yeah, it's been fun. I, 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 mm-hmm. I, uh, I enjoyed it the first time, and I'm so I'm happy to be back, uh, continuing to do it, and uh, look forward to the rest. Very nice. So if you want to see these guys' beautiful faces, you can check us out on YouTube because I know a lot of people listen through the audio RSS, and that's great. But if you want to see the two new new guys, check them out on YouTube. Yep. We want to thank the patrons, uh, everybody who joins us every week, not just the patrons, but everybody who listens and watches, everybody who's in the Telegram group. All of your support is much appreciated. You know, we got a, an email the other day thanking us for the show, but we got a, a YouTube comment and it was just a small one liner. And all it said was, thank you for making my, I won't say bad, dr- I'll say his bad <laughs> commute, uh, enjoyable. And that is awesome that that just made my day. To hear yeah. that one line because it's so awesome that people actually want to listen and enjoy it. So it's it's because Zeb and I, and I joined it. That's what it's got to co- be. Of course it is. <laughs> that was before that. They weren't even aware of it, but that's not the point. 
<laughs> Michael knew this day was coming and told them. Right. I foresaw. Everybody have a great week. Remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Who's got it? Slimbook. Michael. Oh. Right. <laughs> He's still dreaming of working out how he can get onto this supercomputer without He's being still trying to out. figure I'm already mining the possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually using our recording to mine Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is totally accurate because no one told me about it. <laughs> We're well, supposed to just know with Rocco. You know, you know what we learn really these things, Michael. Really good is after I mention that I'm not in the group, the channel that it, you know you could like add me at some point. I'm tr- look. I've been work. I've been trying to add you, and I don't know how to add you. I it's don't. just my name, man. Oh, here's an invite link. I'll do that. How's that? This Telegram thing's hard. <laughs> you gotta click links, dude. It, links are hard. <laughs> Operating system confused, Rocco. <laughs> During the entire time we were going through that, Rocco couldn't hear a word because you guys were off. I, I didn't wasn't paying attention. As soon as I saw that, and you guys were, it was like Charlie Brown's teacher. We, we, we had so wah, much. Wah. We had so many pixels off in our webcam. Yeah. <laughs> He's over there having a panic attack. Oh my gosh! Will you guys get it right, <laughs> Clifford? Matt, what do you think? I just love the professionalism of this drink. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're pretty good, Rocco. Like, no matter what Michael says. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's painful. <laughs> and that way you could just cut Ryan out. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. What happened here? Cliff, don't tell him that yet. We weren't planning on telling him that yet. You know what it sounds like to me, Rocco? What's that? You could just hand off all the editing work to Michael now. <laughs> uh, wow, that's a great idea. Where, I'm sure he has plenty of time for that. But, but the only problem with that, Clifford, is you might have to wait three years for an episode. Oh. What? <laughs> I'm on time every single um, never. three hours late. Never. Ever. What? You're never hmm? on time, ever. I was on time once. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Maybe by accident you were on time once, but ah, I don't remember how I did it. Honestly, <laughs> that's how unlikely it is. You guys have no idea how happy I am that Michael's on here and somebody else has to take some of the abuse with me. Well, <laughs> Ryan, you better highlight it so, otherwise we're going to miss that. Okay, <clears throat> you going to highlight it. Or- I, I, I highlighted it. It's not highlighted. It itself. itself is not highlighted. It's the lack of highlight is a highlight. Okay. 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 I'm doing the whole thing there. Okay. Yeah, that's you. what you're I doing. Got, I got a big part. I'm excited. This okay. is a, this is an i3 user. Remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These yep. stupid clowns. I'm done donating to them. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself 
is just as important as the destination. Woohoo!